Welcome to Slapshot Podcast, episode number 36. I am your host, Chris Romarez. Thank you so much for joining me. It's good to be back. I know it's been a minute, but hey, I'm here. And we got some hockey stuff to cover. Specifically, I'm going to be spending the podcast talking about the Montreal Canadiens because I've had enough. I have had enough. I have hit the point where I just want to explode on the inside because, man, this organization is being run like an absolute dumpster fire. And it's 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 tough. I'm just going to be a Habs fan, and I'm just going to rant a little bit here, right? That's what we need to do. I think that's what all hockey, specifically Habs fans, are trying to feel. They're feeling this pent-up rage watching this team make decisions, watching how they play. Just some of the stuff that they do, and I'm like, why, bro? Why? So if you've been living under a rock and you have no idea what's going on, okay? The Montreal Canadiens fired Claude Julien, and then Dominic Ducharme has taken over. Dominic Ducharme, I'm going to say this. Dominic Ducharme is a good coach, right? He's proven himself in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He's won gold medals with the World Juniors. He's a good coach. So I think this is a good opportunity for him. And he knows it's a good opportunity for him. He's inheriting a good team, actually. Usually coaches get fired because their team's no good. And then they come into a situation and they got to kind of like start from scratch and say, okay, well, how do I fix this? That's not the case with the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens, like we know, we're off to a banging start. They've slowed down a lot. Team looks a little bit like they've lost their identity. And look, Bergevin had enough and said, look, I'm just going to fire Claude Julien. And... He didn't. He said he didn't like things that were happening, and for Mark Bergevin, this is like he needed to do this now for him. He can't let this season like fall apart. He can't let it. He went out this offseason and spent money to bring in players. He's expecting results because if it's not Julian who gets fired, it's Bergevin who's next. Right? The plan's not working anymore. You're never rebuilding, but you're never fully going for it. Right? They're always retooling as he likes to say it. Well, now they've gone out. They've gotten the tools. The tools are good, by the way, and the team's not performing. So something has to be done. Claude Julien gets fired. I'm not going to say I didn't like Claude Julien, but, man, I really just don't think he, like, this was not going to work with the players that he has here, okay? I think he's a good coach. He's proven that he is, right? He's won Stanley Cups. He knows what he's doing. But, man, it's not working for him here. And I'm happy to see him leave in a sense. And Dominic Ducharme comes in and we'll see how this works out. Here's a couple of things that just irk me to the point of no return. Because I I, I like I understand being an NHL coach is hard, right? I do also, Alex Burroughs is the assistant coach. So shout out to Alex Burroughs who's coming in. Right, he was a good NHL player. Right, not the best, but definitely not the worst. And I think he can bring something different. Right, Kirk Muller got fired as well. Kirk Muller is in charge of everything that's associated with the power play and the penalty kill. And if your power play, your penalty kill are not working, then it's not going well. Okay, it's not going well. And Montreal has had a power play and a penalty kill problem for the better part of forever. Okay, as of today, so this is a Sunday, this is the 28th, okay, as of today, the Montreal Canadiens are 18th in the league on the power play, okay, at 18.6%, that's 18th best in the league, okay, their penalty kill is 23rd in the league 
at 76%. So these are not their bottom half in the league on the man advantage and on special teams in general. You cannot be that bad at that. You can't. If your power play is not contributing and your penalty kill is not doing the work, something is wrong, right? That means your special teams aren't contributing to your team's success. And look, at the beginning of the year, they played Vancouver a lot. And Vancouver is a garbage team. We know that. They can't stop the puck. But you're continue, you're you're losing to Ottawa, who also is not a great team. But this division is stacked, okay? The Toronto Maple Leafs have a juggernaut offense. Edmonton is Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. The Winnipeg Jets have two very, very good lines. And, I mean, then you got Calgary, right? Vancouver's got some scoring. They just haven't figured it out yet. And Ottawa's just going to be the, the thorn in Montreal's side. This is a really tough division. Because there's no defense being played. And we see this, okay? We see this. But here's the part that kind of bothers me. Let's let's talk about Montreal's goaltending situation. Because that's obviously been a soft spot, right? For them, it's not working really well. Specifically, it's not working for Carey Price. He's 5-4-3 this season. But he's got an 8.88 save percentage and a 3.13 goals against average, okay? Jake Allen, on the other hand, has the same team in front of him. He's got a 2-12... Goals against average and a 929 save percentage. So he is much better at this point now than Carey Price is. Now, Carey Price is, Montreal's success has always been tied to how well does Carey Price play, okay? And if Carey Price was not good or hurt, this team would fall apart into shambles, right? Which is how they ended up with the Alex Galchenyuk pick, right? Remember when they drafted him third overall a whole bunch of years ago? And that's also how they ended up with the Yasperi Kotkaniemi pick. When Carey Price is off, this team struggles. And for the first time in his career, Carey Price is struggling and the Montreal Canadiens are afloat, right? The team is carrying Carey Price, which is bound to happen. Like, Montreal is just so used to having their goalie stand on his head for this team to just float. And now, now the team needs to do something for him. Carey Price is not the elite goaltender that he was anymore, but I don't think he's this bad. And look, the haters are out strong because they're tying it to his salary, right? He's making what, $10.5 million, something of that range? He's making a lot of money. Since he signed his new deal, it obviously hasn't gone well for him. But on the flip side, okay, I don't think this team in front of him is built to give him any success whatsoever. They're not. They're a better offensive team. But defensively, this team is, is is struggling. Now, look, Jake Allen is doing good. So I think at this point, Montreal has to give Jake Allen more starts. This is about winning, right? It's not about whose ego is more important than what and what you've done for me. Like, this is Dominic Ducharme's, and, and Mark Bergevin said it, this is Dominic Ducharme's job to lose. They're not going to look for a head coach during the season. Ducharme has the interim tag, and it's his job until the end of the season. And he can definitely get this job. This is his to lose. Now, if you play Jake Allen more, is that going to ruffle Carey Price's feathers? Probably. But he's not playing well. So you sit him down and you say, look, Carey, I need you to be better. And he knows this. Carey Price knows this. And I think the pressure is starting to get on him here. Because he looks at the team in front of him. He sees how good they are. And he's not stopping pucks. And he has to stop pucks, by the way. That's his job. That's his job. He's got to stop pucks. And if you got to give Jake Allen more starts and take some of that off Carey Price and say, hey, look, bud, 
work on what you need to do. Work on it with a goalie coach. Get what you need to do. At this point, get him away from the rink for a couple of days. That's what I would do. You got Charlie Lindgren on the taxi squad? Call him up and say, hey, sit on this bench. Say, Kerry, go home. Spend some time with your wife. Spend some time with your kids. Get yourself away from the rink. We know this works with regular people in life, right? That's why people, you know, slave away at their jobs 50 weeks out of the year. They hate their boss and everything. And then they go on vacation so they can continue to do that process, right? Well, it's the same thing for hockey players, right? I know it's a game to them. This is their job. This is what they do. The pressure mounts reading yourself in the paper and reading the stuff that they have to read. Montreal is an unforgiving city. You're king when you're good. You're garbage when you're not. Right? The same sword that they give you calling you king is the same one they'll stab you with when you struggle. And Carey Price is struggling. Jake Allen is not. Give him some starts and say, hey, Jake, we need you to write. This is why you went out and you paid for him. You paid for a backup goalie. You needed one. Now you have one. Use him. Use him. And if you have to split starts down the road, do it. Do as do do whatever you can to make sure this team plays well. And now this doesn't, I'm not saying to neglect Carey Price. You give him the starts. But you know what? Give him some matchups that are a little bit, I'm not going to say team friendly. But you know, Vancouver's in town. Let him start. I would say Ottawa, but it's not working. I know against the McDavid's and the Toronto's, these are tough matchups. But right now, Jake Allen can handle it. So let him do it. Give him the starts that he's earned at this point. He's come in, he's played well. If he starts to falter a little bit, then you reevaluate. But you got two goalies who could play the position. Play both goalies. Boston does that. It works out pretty well for them. There are a lot of teams that have two really good goalies. Use them. It's a shortened season. You don't have time to fall back. That's the goaltending situation, okay? Now, on defense, this is a whole other conversation we're starting to have here. Montreal's defense, we know, is not mobile, okay? They're not. You got Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Jeff Petrie, Brett Kulak, and Alexander Romanov, okay? Jeff Petrie is the only mobile defenseman on that team. He's a puck-moving defenseman. It shows because he also has 18 points in 20 games. He is the Montreal Canadiens' point leader. That's one problem, but he's playing well. Sherrod and Weber, it's time we split that up. Split that defensive pairing does nothing for me anymore. It does nothing, and it shouldn't do anything for anybody else. First of all, if you're keeping score of the plus-minus, they're a minus-one, so they're not doing much. Jeff Petrie is a plus 11. Joel Edmondson is a plus 18. Are they getting easier matchups? I don't think so. But they're on the ice doing something. And I'll give Joel Edmondson credit. He hasn't hurt the Montreal Canadiens. He's been what he needs to be. But at this point, Sherratt and Weber are on the ice logging minutes. And they're just there to make sure the opposing team doesn't score goals. But the opposing team is is scoring goals. So... Montreal needs puck-moving defensemen, right? You play a speed type of hockey game, and you have no defenseman with a good breakout pass out of their zone. That's not Shea Weber. That's not Ben Sherratt. These are big bodies, and they're slowing down, obviously. Shea Weber specifically, right? You want to talk about Carey Price's contract. Well, Shea Weber's got a lot of money tied left, and he's not doing much right now. If Shea Weber's not scoring goals or clapping bombs from the point on the power play, what is he giving you? 
Yeah, he's got to play the team's best players, but you need contribution from your captain. He needs to be better. I think it's time Petrie and Weber play together. That's what I think. I think it's time those two play together. I think Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson can be your shutdown defensive pairing. Or at least give them the opportunity to figure it out. And I also think it's time we give Brett Kulak and Alexander Romanov a little bit more time. I would like to see Romanov play with Shea Weber. But I don't think the Montreal Canadiens coaching staff is there right yet. Right? Not right. Romanov's coming in and out of the lineup. Because we got to make sure we give Victor Mete ice time. Right? The kid who's unhappy. He wasn't good in his last game. Right? He took bad penalties against Toronto. Toronto filled the net afterwards. So... Just leave him there and say, look, we're not trading you. Sit here, and when we need you, you'll come back. Just like Froelich is doing, right? Has he played? Has 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 Froelich even played? No. But you sit there, and when we need you, we'll find you. Don't worry. Keep yourself ready. Keep yourself ready. Romanov's game yesterday against Winnipeg, right, on the Saturday, he was really, really good. Romanov moves his feet. He moves the puck. He's everything I wanted a defenseman. He had four shots in 17 minutes of ice time. Okay? In the last five games, he's played less than 15 minutes twice. And in, in their game on the Feb, on February 25th against Winnipeg, their first one, he played 15 minutes and 16 seconds. Okay? So, I mean, you, you can say three out of five. He played 17 minutes last night, which was the highest in the last five games. I think he needs to play more. He does. And earlier in the year, he was playing more minutes. He was playing a lot more. And look, has he come back a little bit? Yeah, he's a rookie. It's fine. There's learning curves to the process. But I want to give Romanoff the opportunity to say, hey, man, you move your feet, kid? Okay, let's see you do it against the best. Right? You paired Victor Mete with Shea Weber for a point. Why don't you let the kid play? In the last four games, Romanov has not played over 20 shifts. He has not. He played 21 against Toronto in their second game there on the 20th. And then before that, 19, 18, and then 21 against Toronto. At the beginning of the year, he was regularly seeing over 20 shifts per game. In, on opening night, he saw 26 shifts. And then 19, then 24, 20, 24, 22, 23, 21. Like he was regularly seeing it. And again, he slowed down a little bit. That's fine. He's a kid, man. Coach him and help him. And I think the pairing with Kulak has been good. Give them a little bit more. You need defensemen who can move the puck. Pair one move puck moving defenseman with a defenseman who stays at home. Shea Weber is the stay at home defenseman now. That is what he is, by the way. You can call it what you want. He's not the offensive presence that he once was. Pair him with a defenseman who's going to move the puck up the ice. Just like Jeff Petrie and Joel Edmondson. Why is that pairing working? One stays home. The other pushes the offense. You need your defenseman to jump up in the play so you can get the out numbers in the offensive zone. Everybody's back-checking, pick, trying to pick up their man. But the forward back-checking who loses his defenseman coming in late, like, that's what Petrie's doing. He's jumping into the play and he's doing stuff. You don't see Edmondson doing that. That's not his role. When you're watching Ben Sherratt and Shea Weber go around the ice, man, it looks slow. 
It looks slow. It looks slow AF. Of course they're slow because that's what they are. They're there to shut down opposing teams, which again is fine. But this that duo is seeing a lot of ice time and they're not doing much. And I can't just look at Shea Weber and say, hey, you got to shut down the opponent. He played 20 minutes last night, Shea Weber, by the way. 20. On the 27th, whatever. I'll, I'll set the dates here so you know. 20. That's the lowest ice time he's had in the last five games. He had, 27, he had 25 shifts. So he played his regular shifts, but he didn't see much ice time. But you need him. At this point, I want to see Shea Weber play meaningful minutes. I want to see him play meaningful minutes. And I think the more you balance out your defense, the more you're going to get those minutes. You can't have Shea Weber go and finish games with one and two shots. He's been shooting the puck more. So I'll give him some credit there. Right? He finished with a donut in their first game against Winnipeg. He had four on the 27th. So, again, I'll give him stuff. But here's, here's, here's the other problem. Let's go on to a new point here. Okay, Montreal's power play. Like, again, we know it's not working. Okay. We know it's not working. Shea Weber's on the top unit. That's where he needs to be. If Shea Weber's not clapping bombs from the top unit of the power play, what is he doing? The problem is, is the opposing team knows this, right? They study game film. They say, okay, Shea Weber's the threat. And he is. Here's Montreal's top power play unit, okay? Again, this was the one that they last used against Winnipeg. You have Yoel Armia. Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, Jonathan Drouin, and Shea Weber. That power play scares absolutely nobody. I don't understand why it's so hard for certain coaches to just put their best five players on the ice and say, hey, roll with it. Why the fuck is Joel Armia on the goddamn power play? What is he, the net front presence? Dude, get out of here. I'm irate when I watch nothing against Yoel Armia, by the way. Great player. Okay? Great third-line player in the NHL. Why are we giving him meaningful minutes on a power play that's not functioning? He has four goals this season. Why are we giving him those minutes? On the penalty kill, fine. Which is probably where he needs to play a lot. On the penalty kill. That's the spot I'll hold him. But why is he on the top power play unit? Let's go through some power plays of some of the top teams here. Just a couple. Okay? We're going to look at the top power play units for some teams. The top power play in the NHL, by the way. You're not going to believe this. Okay? You're going to have a hard time stomaching this one. It's the Buffalo Sabres at 32.8%. Okay? Now. Jack Eichel is hurt, okay? Jack Eichel is hurt. This is their top power play unit. Sam Reinhardt, Eric Stahl, Taylor Hall, Rasmus Nalin, Victor Olofsson. Can we agree? Again, he's hurt, Eichel, at this moment. But let's say he's not hurt. You can take off Olofsson. You can take off Reinhardt. Do you agree those are the five best skaters on the Buffalo Sabres team offensively that are on the power play? Yes, right? Their second unit is Jeff Skinner, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestad, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Colin Miller. Okay. <laughs> that unit's not going to see any time. Their five best players are on the power play. And they roll. That's it. Like Buffalo is a... Like Buffalo is 6-9-3. Okay? 
They're not winning games. They're not scoring a bunch of goals. Five on five. But on the power play, they figured it out. Buffalo's got a whole other bunch of issues, including Jeff Skinner making a boatload of money and not doing anything. But their top unit is solid. Can we agree on that? Yes. So why is it so hard for Montreal to understand that same concept that a garbage team like the Sabres can figure out? Why is that so hard? Let's keep going down the list here. Toronto is second, okay? And Toronto might be the exception to the rule here. Because again, you know, the Leafs have an abundance of offense. Okay? Again, but let's go through it for a bit. Again, Austin Matthews didn't play. He's hurt right now. Their top unit is Joe Thornton, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, with the exception of Joe Thornton. Can we agree those are the five best players on the team? Probably. Joe Thornton is the net front presence, or I don't know what he does. They've balanced it out recently, right? Here's their second unit. Alexander Barvabanov, I can't even say it. Travis Boyd, Alexander Kerfoot, Jason Spezza, TJ Brody. Who? Toronto's top unit plays a bunch. And they're successful at it. Do I see any third-line players on this unit? Again, with the exception of Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton, I don't know what he's doing there. Okay? No. Toronto has their best players on the ice on the power play because you're there to score goals. Let's keep going here. Chicago is third. Shout out to the Chicago Blackhawks for being a really good hockey team. Holy damn. Now, Chicago is obviously the exception to the rule. My apologies. Because Ryan Carpenter, Carl Soderberg, Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrincat, and Adam Boyquist is their first unit. Again, Chicago's got a whole bunch of of things, but it's working for them. They're the exception to the rule here, okay? Let's go to number four. Fourth best power play in the league. You're not going to believe this. It's Washington. That's right. The Washington Capitals are the fourth best power play in the league. I know. This is shocking. Now, if Genny Kuznetsov is hurt, right? But if Genny Kuznetsov wasn't seeing time on the top power play unit, here's here's Washington's top power play unit. TJ Oshie, Nick Backstrom, Jacob Verana, Alex Ovechkin, John Carlson, with the exception maybe of Verana, who you could swap in for Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson I don't like, but he's playing well at the beginning of the season, so I'll give him credit where credit is due at this point. I'll give him credit. That top power play unit, can we agree the five best players are on the ice? Yes. Alex Ovechkin, according to Daily Faceoff, shout out to Daily Faceoff who's given me all this information. Alex Ovechkin is on both power play units at the top point of the office. Both. Here's their second unit. Tom Wilson, Lars Eller, Connor Sheary, Justin Schultz, and Alexander Ovechkin. That second unit doesn't play. And when they come out, Alex Ovechkin's still on the ice. I know, right? The guy with 700 career NHL goals and counting is on both power play units. I can't imagine why. I can't imagine why, and I can't imagine why Dallas has the fourth best power play in the NHL at 30%. I can't imagine why. He's literally on the ice to score goals. And they say, hey, Alex, you're good at you're good at scoring goals. Why don't you just go out and play two minutes on the power play? If you're going to give your best players meaningful ice time, it's power play time. Because that's what you got to do. You got to score goals, right? So you give Alex Ovechkin. Let's do one more. The Dallas Stars are at five. Surprising, but they're there. Again, taking into account, 
they're missing some key pieces, specifically Tyler Sagan and Alex Radulov. But again, let's discredit that. Let's discredit it completely for a moment. Here is their top power play unit so far. Joe Pavelski, Rope Hintz, Jamie Benn, Miro Heskinen, and Justin Dowling. Now, okay. Denis Gurionov is should take Justin Dowling's sp- spot on that top unit. Assuming that he does, that power play is pretty good. They balanced it up a little bit here at Dallas. And that's why they've struggled of late. So again, there are not many exceptions to the rule. My point being here, your best players need to be on the ice when it matters the most. At least force the other team to look at you and say, okay, we have to cover some options here. We have to do something. We got to balance this out. I'm going to go to a team that I know their top unit is doing good. Boston is seventh in the NHL on the power play. Okay, Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, David Posternock are on the power play. And then Nick Ritchie's the net front presence. Nick Ritchie's had a pretty good season so far. So he, him being there is fine. They don't have much after that, right? You could put Charlie Coyle there. You could put Jake DeBras. You could do a whole bunch of things, but those are not really different players. They got four good players. All four players play together on the top power play unit. All four players play together on the top power play unit. This isn't hard to understand. Let's go to it. Like, even the, the LA Kings are 11th in the NHL, which is fine. That's pretty, pretty where it needs to be. The LA Kings aren't known for offense. Dustin Brown, Adrian Kempe, Alex Iafalo, Drew Doughty, Anze Kopitar. So Brown, Iafalo, and Kopitar are the top line. Drew Doughty is their best defenseman. Adrian Kempe joins them as the best other forward. It could be Jeff Carter if you wanted to. Jeff Carter is getting older. He's not the same player. Again, can we agree that those are the five best players on the team that are on the ice? Yes. Let's go back here. Let's take a look at Montreal's power play. Because again, doesn't make sense. Joel Armia is on the top unit. Here's your second unit. Corey Perry, Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, Jesperi Kakanyemi, and Jeff Petrie. Why do you have two units? Two power play units. Your top unit has Toffoli on the ice, which is fine. Nick Suzuki's probably your best centerman. Okay? Which, by the way, don't forget, you traded Max Domi away expecting Suzuki and Kakanyemi to take over. And Suzuki's been all right. I think Kakanyemi's still trying to find that offense. But you need those two to figure it out because it's definitely not Philip Deneau. We're going to get to him a little bit later. Don't worry, Phil. I, I didn't forget you. You have Jonathan Drouin on the ice, who, by the way, has what? Two goals this season? He's got two goals this season. And you got Jonathan Drouin as the top, as the top power play facilitator of the puck. His job is to facilitate the puck to Shea Weber. Now... If I'm an opposing team, I look at this and I say, okay, who is the main target on this power play that I got to be aware of? It's Shea Weber. Droy is fourth on the Montreal Canadiens with 13 points. He's got 11 assists. I'm not going to knock him here, okay? Too hard. But you know Droy is not shooting the puck. You know this. He's got 28 shots in 20 games. So you know he's not shooting the puck. Now, take into consideration Josh Anderson is hurt here as well. So you know Droy is not shooting the puck. It's certainly not Yoel Armia. It's certainly not here. 
And Nick Suzuki as well isn't shooting, like he's not shooting the puck consistently enough. Tyler Toffoli is the only player who you should be worried about. He has 67 shots on the season. He's also got 12 goals. I want Toffoli in the bumper spot in the slot. Can we agree that scoring goals from the slot or being in the slot is the best place to score goals? Yes. So you have Shea Weber on the point. You're automatically going to overcommit to him. You have no choice. He's the shooter on the power play. It's the worst kept secret ever. But you don't have to really care about Yoel Armia. You don't have to care about Jonathan Drouin. And you can kind of just contain Suzuki to the board and say, just sit here, kid, for a minute. Okay, let's focus on the other two. On the flip side, let's go to their second unit, right? Corey Perry is obviously the net front presence, which people are like, yeah, but Corey Perry is okay. Stop, okay? Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, Jeff Petrie, Kotkaniemi. Again, Kotkaniemi is not having any success right now. He's also not shooting the puck enough. He's the facilitator to Jeff Petrie. Jeff Petrie is the only dangerous player on that unit. Thomas Tatar hasn't figured it out yet, right? He's slowed down. And Brendan Gallagher is kind of like Brendan Gallagher is working hard. He's shooting pucks and he's working hard. Brendan Gallagher by default shouldn't be in the bumper spot. He should be the net front presence that Corey Perry is. Corey Perry is a big body. I understand why you would put him there. Kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs put Joe Thornton there. But Brendan Gallagher spends his entire career in front of the net, taking sticks, being a distraction. Put him there. He's not scoring from the sideboard, right? That's not his spot. Get him in front of the net, being dirty, getting in the way of the goalie's eyes, taking up a defenseman. Brendan Gallagher speak. Here's my five-man power play unit here, okay? Here's my five-man unit. I would have Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Toffoli, Nick Suzuki, Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie. Are those your five best players right now? Yes. Why the fuck don't they just play together then? Just run them out there a minute and a half and say, hey, do it. That's it. Second unit, sit here and just wait. Figure it out, boys. If you have Brendan Gallagher as your net front presence, Tyler Toffoli is in the bumper spot. Nick Suzuki is on the half board. Shea Weber's on the other side. Jeff Petrie's at the top. It's not hard. Shea Weber put him on that half side. Remember how Andre Markov used to just kind of come down the back and make an entire career out of scoring goals on the power play because he'd come back? Make that Shea Weber's new job. It's not hard. He's a right-handed shot coming down the left side. He's already on the one-timer. Put Jeff Petrie at the top of the power play umbrella. He can cycle it back down to Suzuki on the half board, or he can feed it to Weber for the one time. You have to respect Jeff Petrie. You have to respect the player with the most points on a team. Can we agree on that? Here's what you want to do to the penalty kill box. Spread them out. Spread them out. Get them wide. Because then you start making cross-ice passes through the box, and that's when the penalty kill starts to get lost. If you have your best players on the ice, now your penalty killers can't just start pressing right we see a lot of good penalty kills press the puck and we saw that with Ottawa Ottawa pressed the Montreal Canadiens on the power play force them to make a mistake force them and we saw a little bit of that in that in that Winnipeg game here we saw the Montreal Canadiens penalty kill start to press a little bit which is fine you want to press the player in isolation and force him to do something but you can't start running around the ice because then you're going to tie yourself out and then the power play is going to start kicking in. 
and then they're going to start dishing it out and scoring goals, right? But you 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 can't just sit passive. If you are passive, then you got to make sure your box is tight AF, that nothing is crossing on the other side, that you're not leaving Austin Matthews on the other side on the one-time shot so he can bury it. Surprise, that's how he scored his first goal when Montreal was in Toronto last time. So Montreal needs to have their best players on the ice. You have to respect Toffoli in the box, right? So the defense the, the defense is going to try to isolate him and say, hey, we can't let the guy in the slot shoot the puck. But, oh, by the way, Jeff Petrie's at the top as well. He's firing the puck. He's got 54 shots on the season. Oh, by the way, we can't forget Shea Weber because he's the shooter. He's the blast. Oh, and I can't just let Gallagher run wild in front of my goalie. I got to take care of him. Do you see how this causes a problem for the penalty kill? Now they start looking around going, okay, now we kind of have to respect everybody. But when Yoel Armia and Jonathan Drouin are on the ice, why why are you respecting Jonathan Drouin? Why? Why are you respecting a player who's got 28 shots on net, has a 7% shooting percentage, has two goals? What are you respecting? You know he's going to pass the puck. That's all he's going to do. He's not shooting it. So why do I care? Why do I care about Joel Armia? Why do I care about his four goals? And his 22 shots. He's only played 13 games, though. I'll give him some of that. Why do you care about those two players? Your power play is inefficient because you have inefficient players on it. Just run your big boys out on the top power play unit. And that's it. It's not hard. This is This doesn't have to be rocket science for coaches. But apparently it is. Apparently, it's rocket science for half of them. It is. I don't understand why. I don't understand why. Dominic Ducharme is here. It's time that he steps up and he changes this. Gets the right players on there. Speaking of right players, here's here's where I think it probably tips the ship over for Claude Julien. And Mark Bergevin can tell me what he wants. Okay, He can tell me whatever he wants. Montreal's shootout loss to the Ottawa Senators. Okay, They lose 5-4. Now, the Gallagher goal late should have counted. That's a whole other conversation we're not going to have today. Okay, Ottawa in the shootout. Montreal on the road has five losses in overtime or shootout. Five. So you get to that point and you're not winning games. So that, to me says something is wrong when you get here. You're not winning. In the shootout and overtime, regardless of whether you like the format or not, you should be hitting 50-50. If you're breaking 50% even, you win half the games, you lose half, you're fine. You're fine. That's Look, it is what it is. It's three on three and it's a shootout. It's a coin toss. But a coin toss you gotta, is a 50-50 split. You got to be winning at 50% of the time. Much Montreal Canadiens are not doing that. I think I figured out why here. Here's Ottawa's three players to shoot the puck. Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzel, Josh Norris. Can we agree those are probably top five of the, like, those three players are top five of the best players on the team. Can we agree on that at least? I would. Let's go check out Ottawa's, Ottawa's thing. Okay, so... Again, Brady Kachuk is top. Drake Batherson is another one. Thomas Shabbat, I'm not a fan of defensemen in the shootout. I'm just not a fan of it. Drake Batherson could have gone as well. Tim Stutzel is fourth. Connor Brown or Josh Norris, they're tied there. So, it again, those were the picks. 
Montreal. Corey Perry shoots first. Jonathan Drouin shoots second. I, I lost my shit when I saw Corey Perry come out to take the first shot. I, I lost my shit. I couldn't believe it was going to happen. I couldn't. You go all game. And people say, yeah, but Corey Perry scored a goal. Corey Perry said, Jonathan Drouin's done well. Stop it. Stop that garbage. In no universe should your fourth-line winger be taking a shot in a shootout. Again, Ottawa sent out their best players because that's what you do. You send out your best players to take shots. It's not hard. It's not a hard understanding that we need. You send your best players to shoot the puck. Is anybody confused here yet? Are we confused? Are we confused? Does, does anybody want me to re-explain this? You put your best players shoot it overtime. I'm just going to give you a moment so you can understand. Your best players shoot in overtime, in, in, in the shootout, okay? Corey Perry is not one of those players, by the way. He's not. There's no reason for him. You just got robbed at the end of that game. Why are your... Tyler Toffoli's 12 goals. He doesn't take a shot. Nick Suzuki. Well, he's got right. He had four goals at that point. Josh Anderson was healthy as well, or did he hurt himself? I think he may have hurt himself that game, right? No, he hurt himself against Winnipeg. Sorry, Josh Anderson has nine goals on the season. Doesn't take a shot. Brendan Gallagher six. Doesn't take a shot. Thomas Tatar. He's got five. Doesn't take a shot. Again, I have to give Jonathan Drouin, who's got two goals on the season. And isn't shooting enough. I got to give him. He's just, he had just scored his second goal that game. I could live with Jonathan Drouin. I can't live with Corey Perry. I can't live with it. You you sent out two players with two total with two goals each to their name on the season to take the first two shots. I can't imagine why you lose in the shootout. There's no reason for that to happen. Send your best players. Tyler Toffoli shoots first. Josh Anderson shoots second. Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, whatever combination you want afterwards. Nick Suzuki, doesn't matter. Get your best players out there. Nick Suzuki's got hands, by the way. And so does Thomas Tatar. You want to say maybe not Gallagher because that's not his thing? Fine. Jonathan Drew, I know he's got mitts. He's not, he's not a guy who's scoring goals, man. So don't put him there. I can live more with that one. I'm saying, hey, you know what? He scored a goal in the game. You know, I can live with that conversation. I can't live with the fact that Corey Perry starts it off. I can't. You want your first shooter to be your best shooter. You don't know if you're going to get to your third, by the way, because Montreal didn't. Because the other two scored. Right? Stutzel and Norris scores. You don't have to worry about a third shooter. You didn't even get that far. Your first two shooters have to be your best shooters. All day. Every day. They have to be your best shooters. If they are not, what's going on here? What is going on? 
I just don't understand how coaches don't understand the concept of trying to win in overtime. Let's go back to the game that happened last night against Winnipeg, right? It's tied after one. Who comes out on the ice in overtime? I see Philip Deneau and Yol Armia on the ice. And I'm going, oh, fuck, here we go again. Philip Deneau has not scored in a full calendar year. The last time he scored was February 29th, 2020. That is the last time Philip Deneau scored a goal in the NHL. It's been a minute for him. And yet here he is in over. He starts the overtime. What the fuck are you afraid of? You've made it to overtime, by the way. Congratulations. You get one point. You can only get one more. You're not going to lose that point. You're not going to lose it. Okay. You already have it. You can't lose the point. You can only get more. So why does he? Why is Philip Deneau on the ice? Philip Deneau, by the, like I said, we're gonna have a conversation. He 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 hasn't scored in a full calendar year. The last time he scored was February 29th against against Carolina. That was the last time he scored. It's been a while. He's played 20 games this season, and then what? He hasn't scored in over like 25 games. <laughs> I mean, at this point, what do you do? What do you do? He wanted more money. He wants a, he, he wants money. I hear the media tell me what a great player he is, and he can win the Selkie, and he can do all this. He's not a first-line center on anybody's team. He's a third-line center. But for some reason, coaches love him, and they should. He's, he's responsible defensively, and that's an important thing to have with a player, right? Before the... February 29th game where he scored one against Carolina. His previous goal was against Chicago January 15th. He has scored two goals in over, in over what, 30-some-odd games? I would say 40. Again, why am I going crazy with him? His career high in goals, by the way, is 13. So he's about a 9% career shooting percentage. He's a good two-way center in the NHL. He is a very cheap. He is like, you know when you buy stuff on Wish and then you receive it, right? Like people are shopping for Patrice Bergeron or Anze Kopitar and then they order it on Wish and they get Philip Deneau. That's exactly what it is, by the way. Philip Deneau is a poor man's version of what people think he is. He is nowhere elite, not even close. And now he's struggling and the rest of his line is having, you know, he was reunited with, you know, Ducharme brought him back and said, hey, we're going to put Tatar back on that top line with the known Gallagher. Their possession numbers last year were strong. Everything was going well. The line is producing. Now they're not. Again, you traded Max Domi away because you thought you had the depth down the middle to be able to go out and acquire a big body winger. That's what you did, right? That's the reason why you traded Max Domi. We kept telling me, oh, Chris, there's not enough room for Domi at center. I'm saying, okay, but there is. Like, there, there is room. It's just Philip Deneau is on that spot. 
And now you got Nick Suzuki, who's, I mean, he's got five goals. I'll give him some credit. He's hes where he needs to be, but Kakanyemi's only got two. And you need your centerman to produce. And your top-line center has zero goals. But he's still there. Honestly, at this point, sit him in the stands. You all right? Claude Julia had no problem taking Thomas Tatar, putting him in the stands, saying, hey, not today, boy. He came back, played a little better. At this point, sit Philip Deneau. Jake Evans is on the same level as him. Jake Evans is going to give you the points, but Jake Evans has two goals, one being shorthanded, and he's he's doing whatever Philip Deneau is supposed to do. That's it. There's no reason Philip Deneau should touch the ice in overtime. That's it. He shouldn't touch the ice with five minutes left in a close game, by the way. You have enough. You have enough centermen who can figure it out. You have enough. But in overtime, I don't understand why. And this is the same thing when I see Paul Byron get on the ice in overtime. I understand Paul Byron has speed. Okay, Paul Byron is one goal this season. So it's not working. Okay, In 19 games, he's got 15 shots. He doesn't need to shoot to be in the shootout, by the way. Paul Byron needs to be on the penalty kill. That's what it is. Paul Byron and Joel Armia. There's your first penalty kill unit. Let these guys run. Your second unit, Philip Deneau and, I don't know, Thomas Tatar, Brendan Gallagher. I don't like giving star players penalty kill roles. I don't. I don't think it's a great idea. Aturi Lekkonen's on the ice. There. Aturi Lekkonen, Philip Deneau. Boom. Second unit. Roll out two or three or four different duos on the penalty kill and just roll them out. I don't want my star players blocking shots. I don't want them getting hurt. You want to give Corey Perry something to do? Play him on the penalty kill. That's it. You want to put Kakanyemi out there? Sure. At one point, you're going to have to go through a couple, right? I want my top power, my top penalty killer unit go out there, you know, 35 seconds, 40 seconds. The puck goes down the ice, change. Same thing. Team comes out, da da da. They try to gain, they try to gain the blue line. They can't do it. Down the ice, boom, change. And keep rolling out the same damn duo every single time. This is the same thing when you start overtime. I don't care who finished last. My top unit. Here are my three best players. Okay. Nick Suzuki, Tyler Toffoli, Jeff Petrie. They start. That's your overtime. They have. They are the players with the three most points. Again, you can figure out how you want. I don't even care if you put two wingers out there in overtime. I don't care. Sure, you want to win the faceoff, right? But if you're two best players on the fly, if you want to put Toffoli, Anderson, and Jeff Petrie on the ice, do it. Do it. I don't want to see Ben Sherrod on the ice. I don't want to see Yoel Edmondson. I'll let Ramon, I'll, I'll let Alexander Romanov on the ice, though. The kid moves his feet. He's a puck-moving defenseman. There's You got all that ice for him. Let him skate. Say, hey, you know what? If you lose it overtime, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You already get the point because you're losing now with the strategy you have because you're trying to play defense on three-on-three. I have never, like, I've played some three-on-three leagues and there is no defense. That's not where you're trying to play defense. Three on three is about puck possession. Possess the puck. 
and let your best players run out. It's not hard. It's not hard. I don't understand why. And, and look, I. this is the Claude Julien effect, right? Dominic Ducharme comes and he runs out the same thing. And not even a minute in, Montreal already loses because they give it up a goal, right? Because Nick Ehlers is on the ice, right? Excellent shot. Paul Stashney joins him as well. Paul Stashney's fine, right? Paul Stashney is kind of the, you know, he's on the same level, I guess, here right now as Kakanyemi. So if you had Kakanyemi and, I don't know, Tyler Toffoli on the ice, Kakanyemi, Josh Anderson, and, I don't know, Shea Weber, fine, fine. I'll live with it. I will live with it. What I can't live with is seeing Philip Deneau on the ice because you know he's not there scoring goals. Imagine you're on the other side of this. You're Winnipeg. Okay? You line up for the faceoff. You look out there. You see Yol Arby and Philip Deneau. Boy, I can't wait to target these two. I can't wait. What are they going to do? You know they're not going to possess the puck. Just run. Run wild, man. They want, first of all, Winnipeg wins the faceoff, and that's it. Montreal never touches the puck again. Why would you? They're out there trying to play defense three on three. If I'm an opposing team, my eyes light up. I see these mediocre players on the ice, and I'm saying I'm going to torch them. I'm going to absolutely torch them. You know this. If you play hockey, right, like I do sometimes, right, Sunday league, and I see the defenseman who can't skate on the right side, and I'm playing on the left, guess what side I'm going down? Every time I'm going down the right side, I'm burning the defenseman who can't skate. So you see two players who are good defensively on the ice. You're saying, yeah, but I'm going to burn them. I got enough space. Space wins every battle. Always. <laughs> Talented players need space. You give them a little bit, they'll burn you. It's not hard in, in overtime. It's three on three. There's space for everybody. That's what they want. So Montreal sends out the wrong players in overtime, and then they double down. If you get to a shootout, you send Corey Perry out first. Damn, I can't figure out why I lose games in overtime. I can't figure it out, man. Somebody explain it to me. This is, like I said, this is Dominic Ducharme's job to lose. Personally, I'd like Mark Bergevin to go out and get somebody, a coach who's offensively minded. Because you went out and you spent money to get to Foley and Anderson, and they've been good this season. They've been good. You went out to get guys to put pucks in nets. You have two of those players who are putting pucks in a net, and the rest of the brigade is not following. I want a coach that implements a heavy, a heavy offensive forecheck. Possess the puck. Don't dump and chip and chase, because that's not what offensive players do. You can try that. But you try to gain the blue line with possession. That's the ultimate goal. Gain the blue line with possession, which is why we see teams on the power play load up with two forwards all the way back. The defenseman comes forward to the red line, drops it back to the player who's already in full flight because now he gets the defense and the penalty killers to stop. And then he gains the blue line with possession. Do the same thing five on five. You've built a team to be like, what are the Montreal Canadiens? Are they a big physical team? No. Are they a team that's quick in transition with speed? Yes. But you don't have defensemen who can move the puck up the ice. So what are you? What kind of team are you? When I look at the Edmonton Oilers and the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm not asking myself what kind of team they are. They're a speed team. They possess the puck. That's all they care about. They're not chipping and chasing. I can guarantee you that. Skilled offensive players. 
Now, Montreal does not have that. So you got to decide what you want to do. Do you want to be a team in quick transition or do you want to be the team that's heavy to play against? And if you are heavy to play against, well, you got a couple of those players who aren't big and you don't need big players anymore. Stop telling me you need big players. Okay, stop. You don't need big players. You need players who can put the puck in the net. I don't care what size they are. You doing it? Good. Keep doing it. But this experiment has to end with Philip Deneau on the top line and him in overtime and whatever other plug is getting a chance to shoot in the shootout. It doesn't. I can't live with Paul Byron shooting in the shootout. Right? I could live if Paul Byron had a player chasing him on the penalty kill. Yeah, that I can live with. That's Paul Byron. That's where he's going to get his ice time. Play him on the penalty kill every time. Montreal leads the league in shorthanded goals. The right players are there. You figured that part out, which is amazing because they're not good on the penalty kill. But again, that's a whole other thing you can work out. Run the same duos every time. Shut your opponent down. And on the power play, let your best players run wild, man. Everybody keeps saying the power play is like a, a treat to a player. So why are you giving it to Yol Armia and Jonathan Drouin? What have they earned today? What have they earned? They're clearly not putting the puck in the net. The goal of hockey is to score goals, by the way. That's the goal. How you get there, you can choose many different routes. But if the puck is not going in the net, there's a problem. And if you score goals on the power play, now you force the team to kind of say, man, I can't take bad penalties. Right now, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Take as many penalties as you want. Montreal's not scoring on the power play. They're not because they have the wrong unit out there because nobody really respects them. You look at the unit comes out, you're saying, this, this doesn't scare me. This doesn't scare me. But I guarantee you, when I see Toronto's power play come out, I'm petrified. How many times have you been sitting in front of the TV, Montreal takes a penalty, Toronto's power play comes out, and you're like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, this is going to be a long two minutes. I do. Or the same thing when Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl come out on the ice. I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. Oh, baby. Like, I get, like, the insides of me, like, I can feel like, how can I explain this? You know when you, like, feel like you're going to vomit and you just, like, like, you haven't vomited just yet, but you feel it. Like, it's starting to build. That's the same thing when I see these other teams, their power plays are coming out. I'm like, oh, baby. Can you imagine being the penalty kill? You look out and you see all these elite players playing together on the top unit. You're going, oh, boy. Who do I, who do I watch? You can't. You got too many weapons. So now you got to spread the box out. You start moving pucks between the box. Boom. Ends up in the net at one point. And Montreal just keeps taking penalties. And good teams keep scoring goals. I know. Wild, wild, wild. Like I said, personally, I'd like Montreal to go out and find an offensive coach. And say, hey, this is my lineup. And real simple, man. If I'm Mark Bergevin, I say, here's your players. Who would you put on the power play? Who would you put out on the penalty kill? Who would you put out in overtime, three on three? Who's your first shooter in the shootout? That's it. Make it real simple. I want to see offensive players get their chances to play offense. The same way Alex Ovechkin plays the power play. He is the greatest goal scorer of this generation of hockey. And he plays both power play units in his office. I know. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. We'll see if Ducharme figures it out. I'm not confident after watching what he did last night. But hey, 
Let's see what he does. I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's had two games, right? There's some positive, yeah, positive things. You know, team played better. They did. Montreal played a really good first period against Winnipeg in that second game. They played really well. That was, that was a really good game for them. Guess what? They lost. In two games against Winnipeg, they have no points. Sorry, they have one. Sorry, one point. I don't care how well you play. The only stat that matters in the NHL is points. At the end of the day, you don't make the playoffs based on, oh, but they tried hard. No. How many points do you have in the standings? Do you have more than the team behind you? Yes, you're in the playoffs. And like I said, the good thing for Montreal is they're in a division of absolute easiness. Let's exclude Ottawa and Vancouver from the playoffs because we can. Calgary is the only team that can give them a run for their money. The only other team. And Calgary's having their stuff trying to figure out. So Montreal's got an 80% chance of making the playoffs. 80% chance. Don't blow this. Don't blow this opportunity. They can do it, I promise. But they have to fix this. They have to. Put your best players forward. And you're going to start to see results. That's how I feel about it. Oh, it felt good to rant a little bit. I'm, I'm not even going to lie. It felt good. Um, yeah. That's my take here. If you have your take, make sure, A, you follow me on Twitter, at FuzzyChris91. Tell me how you feel. Tell Slapshot Podcast how you feel. Follow Slapshot Podcast, at Slapshot Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Spotify, it's on Podbean, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on Stitcher, it's on YouTube. Follow the YouTube channel. Turn on the bell notification. You'll get notified every time I go live, every time new content is put up as well. So you'll never miss a podcast. Make sure you do that. I've had a blast here talking hockey, even though it's the Montreal Canadiens struggling. But man, I love you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much. And we will do this again soon. In the meantime, stay safe, wash your hands. I love you, and I'll catch you all soon.